You're listening to another episode of Classic Movies Live. On today's episode, we're going to talk about another very clear contender for Best Picture this year. We're going to talk about Kenneth Branagh's Belfast. Now, Belfast is a movie that is semi-autobiographical. Not semi-autobiographical might even be... Uh, a little ambiguous, it's probably very autobiographical about Kenneth Branagh's life growing up as a child in Belfast in the 1960s. This is gonna get a little spoilery, but uh, not, not too much worse than it usually is. You can probably listen to most of this without having seen the movie, um, but if you do want to go and see the movie without anything being spoiled for you, go check that out first, then come back when you're done. We'll still be here. Um, In the meantime, here is the song Everlasting Love, which was featured heavily in all of the trailers and in my personal favorite scene of the movie, which we do not spoil in this, so don't worry. Heatwave Radio's Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where we talk about uh, movies that, I guess they just came, yeah, movies that just came out. Movies that just came out is what we usually talk about on the show, and today we're going to do that again. Uh, Today we are going to talk about a movie from Kenneth Branagh. We're going to talk about Belfast. This was the winner of the TIFF People's Choice Award in the summer. I don't know if you knew that, Pierre. I actually didn't know that. That's kind of cool. I knew it was at TIFF. Yeah, uh, yeah it was um, specifically like that's relevant because on this show, we like to talk about uh, all the best picture nominees when the Oscars come around. And so far, with the exception of no, no, not with any ex- exception. Since 2011, everything that's won the be- the TIFF best pick or the TIFF People's Choice Award has at least been nominated for a Best Picture. Not necessarily always won, but like last year it was Nomadland. Mm. So. Yeah, so things are looking relatively good for Belfast. So no far, promises. It's, it's pretty early into awards season, so... Yeah. A lot can happen. Yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, I guess this is... We are... 
Wait, when does the word when, when do like awards movies usually like to come out? What's they the usually time? start dropping in November. Oh, okay. Like this is this is peak time for okay. awards. Movies. That makes sense then. Um, but yeah, this is. Uh, I'd say November and uh, January for wide releases. Yeah. Oh yeah. I guess but December. Like, everything has a limited. Christmas time's a little yeah, December, weird. December. Christmas time, but then like. In December, there's usually all of pretty much every awards movie. Well, definitely every awards movie that's not out yet mm. gets a limited release right at Christmas so that it can qualify for awards and then actually comes out like end of January. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Because, like, wait, January. So January is like cutting it really close, right? Well, January is technically no longer oh, no, eligible. Right, okay. Like, everything in a normal year, and I think we're back to a normal year all of the movies have to have qualified by December yeah. 31st. Oh, okay, cool. Um, yeah, and so Belfast, a movie directed by Kenneth Branagh, who I feel like I haven't... I mean, I, I think the last movie I saw with him was, what, the Orient Express? What was Murder on the Orient Murder Express, on the Orient yeah. Express. Yeah, and that was um, in- interesting. I wouldn't say it was amazing, but... I don't think I have seen like an amazing Kenneth Branagh movie yet, even though I've only seen like two. I, uh, yeah, I think that's probably my biggest issue too, is I really like him as an actor and I know that he is straight up just like as objective as this opinion can be. He is like one of the greatest actors currently living. Like he runs the Royal Academy of, I don't remember what it's called. Basically the Royal Academy of Acting in uh great in england um his first movie that he ever did which i believe was both his directorial debut and the first thing he starred in as a movie was like nominated for every academy award right away uh it was like a four-hour version of hamlet if i'm not mistaken um like it was just full hamlet with him playing hamlet and uh it's really good apparently i haven't seen it yet because it's four hours so i gotta make the time but um, he is like, I don't know. He's got like a weird range because he's definitely directed some stinkers, but like he is so, you know, he doesn't have, he's not infallible, but he's like a pretty incredible actor. And he's very good. I think at directing other actors that does not necessarily mean that every one of his movies is a home run. Yeah, that's fair. I, uh, I, it's interesting that you say that he's a, he's a good, um, actor's director, I guess. I, I remember noticing, um, in, at least in Thor one, this, this is like a really weird, uh, callback, but I guess in Thor one, I remember the performances for like Loki, Loki specifically was like, honestly, like probably the best we've seen. Um, in terms of dramatic acting, if that makes sense. Um, same thing with and Thor, potentially, too, uh, and that we haven't seen since would, then. Yeah, I would say that Thor in the first movie was really good with the caveat that, like, I don't know if Chris Hemsworth was super into that performance, because, like, Chris Hemsworth really came into his own, I'm going to say, around, like, Thor Ragnarok or in the Avengers movies, because he wants to play a more fun Thor mm-hmm. And in the first movie, in Thor, the first one, Kenneth Branagh was directing him, like, he was directing him as a fun Thor, but, like, very much just a medieval hero. 
So like he was very he was really charismatic and it was a good performance, but it was a very different performance than we'd get going down the line because I think I, I don't know if him and Chris Hemsworth were quite on the same page about what they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I'm not entirely sure that Chris Hemsworth knew what he wanted to do in Thor one. Yeah, I, I, I but feel I like, think that like I, I think Oh yeah, go ahead. Well, I was gonna say I think Chris Hemsworth just wanted a big role. I, I think he was happy to just have a big role rather than being concerned too much about what the character was at the time, at least. But I think that, uh, and we're going to talk about this in Belfast, whether the actors are necessarily on the same page. And I think this isn't actually, that's not actually a problem in Belfast. I think that uh, Kenneth Branagh is really good about getting the performance that he wants out of actors. Um, Like in the Kenneth Branagh movies, I've seen the Kenneth Branagh blockbusters I've seen, like Thor isn't Chris Hemsworth or Natalie Portman's best performance. Uh, Murder on the Orient Express isn't Alicia Vikander's best performance or um, oh, I'm forgetting his name. Josh, the, the guy who played Olaf in Frozen. But, like it's Gad. not any of their best performances. Yeah. Josh Gad. It's not any of their best performances, but those performances are really solid for and and they fit the movie and they are exactly what Kenneth Branagh wants. Mm-hmm. So like he's really good at communicating exactly what the movie needs to his directors actors. or no, to his <laughs> actors for for better or worse. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, but yeah, it seems like like you mentioned earlier he he did seem much more into like adapting plays and stuff it looks like or more serious things and for the past decade he's been very i guess relatively blockbuster oriented um Mm -hmm. his last movie being or what he's this decade he's directed thor jack ryan shadow recruit is that the is that the tom cruise movie jack ryan that might be the tom cruise one um cinderella artemis fowl uh last year which was I think famously terrible. I, I haven't seen it. I don't think I intend to see it. Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit was the one where Chris Pine plays. Oh, Jack never Ryan. mind. Okay. Um Morty on the Orient Express. Um, but yeah, this is Belfast seems to be his first time in a while really stripping his style back or his his budget and style back um and focusing on a more intimate story, which apparently is or I'm trusting Jeff's word on this is based on his own life or events of his own life. I don't know how accurate it is. So Kenneth Branagh grew up in the sixties in Northern Ireland in Belfast uh, during the troubles. And like, he was the middle child of three. And um, at a certain point, like when, once the troubles really started going him and his family, Basic, well, they left Northern Ireland to live in England. And so Kenneth Branagh, I always thought he was English because he has an immaculate English accent. And like, he's most closely associated with, uh, you know, London actors and training actors in London. So um, he's very closely associated with England, but he is actually Northern Irish from Belfast. And this is a fictionalized, but basically just dramatized retelling of the events of like one year of his childhood when they ended up leaving Belfast. Yeah. It's a, what's, what's, I think the year is 1969. Um, I didn't 
That sounds right. I didn't right. know there was uh, I, I'd never personally heard. I don't know much about history, so I'm not going to lie. Uh, it was kind of interesting seeing uh, the conflict that the movie brings up, which in this case was, I guess, Protestants versus Catholics uh, in, in, in those communities at the time. I don't know how severe it was and stuff. Cause it wasn't like, well, it didn't seem like a war or anything. It's like civil unrest. It was the next best thing. To, it was the next best thing to a oh, war. Never like mind. it was really okay. bad. I take it back. <laughs> it was way worse than I thought. Yeah. Um, uh, un- unfortunately I don't, uh, I don't know history of the troubles well enough to give you like a good summary right now, but it's basically, you know, for the entire history of Ireland, uh, Ireland and England have had, or Ireland and Great Britain have been at odds to say the most mild thing I can. And that really came to a head in the entire 20th century. And the 60s uh, is the part, the time period that's depicted in this movie is known as the Troubles, Mm. which is like, uh, civil unrest uh, with a lot of like terrorism on both sides, right down to um, this is one reason that um, among other things, one reason a lot of people hate Margaret Thatcher is uh, paramilitary squads that she sent into Northern Ireland to basically just terrorize the Irish. (laughs) I, I am, uh, kind of talking out of my ass here because I don't know very much about the troubles, but it is, it's bad. It's really, really bad. Um, yeah. So I didn't know that. (laughs) Um, but I guess in, in this movie, it's not so much of the main plot point as it is just, I guess, part of the setting, if that makes sense. Um, Mm -hmm. it, it's, it's the main backdrop and is that I guess that conflict is relatively consistent in terms of, uh, what's happening in the background and how how the character is kind of not really pushed around, but just kind of guided throughout the movie, if that makes sense. Um, like we we can just kind of see how I guess the the it affects his life in different ways and how, but also how I get Kenneth Branagh's life was at the time in general. Yeah, and I guess like we we basically already said this, but. Uh, if it wasn't clear, the main character of this movie is a is is basically Kenneth Branagh when he was seven mm-hmm. or maybe ten. Like it's it's a it's a young boy growing up in Northern Ireland and like doing regular day to day young boy things, but also the troubles are happening around him. And like as part of that setting, I think it's a really interesting way to explore that because it kind of shows that you know Belfast. In, at that point wasn't I guess an active war zone but like you wouldn't be exaggerating too much to say to, to call it that and it's kind of interesting to see how like life just goes on despite you know there being all this civil unrest yeah um well yeah I, I guess that's what I kind of like it's it's more of a I guess a slice I don't usually like slices of life movie but I was worried this would just become a very depressing depiction of of a young child's life in this in this time period um and i guess i was pleasantly surprised at the amount of uh like i guess heart and warmth uh the movie gave off um 
it's a it's a it's a sweet movie mm-hmm. i guess um but yeah do, do you want to tell us more about what happens like or do we i guess that's already we already kind of said what happens that, right that's basically the summary yeah. like yeah there are events in this movie but really it's just a slice of life drama about a kid growing up in northern ireland yeah that that is actually it. whoa we did the summary <laughs> without knowing we did the summary that's really cool or at least i didn't know we did that the doesn't summary. happen often. <laughs> yeah um yeah this movie's uh completely black and white um except for some really cool scenes of uh i love there's a couple shots when because a, a big part of the main character is uh i guess escapist or like like the uh, one of the main character's passions is going to the movies which makes sense because again this is a movie director we're dealing with i guess or a future movie director yeah um, there's some cool like uh scenes where obviously they movies were in color at the time so they, they'll show the movie in color um while everything else is black and white if that makes sense in the theater scenes um mm-hmm. and then even like uh judy dench is in this her her character has glasses i thought there's this really cool thing where uh they reflect color off her glasses from the movie um to just kind of i don't know what what what's the what the point of it is maybe it's just like to show that the movie is just pure escapism from this kind of bleak uh the bleak reality i guess of, of his life at the time I think that's kind of it because like movies, this sounds not quite right to say, but movies sort of don't play into this film in a really um, active way. It's just, uh, you know, Buddy, the main character, he's, he'll often be, you know, watching a movie while his parents are fighting or he'll go with his grandma to the movies. It's clear that he likes movies and that that's a form of escapism for him. And like, but because that doesn't, there's no plot point where it's like, oh, at this point, he's going to go to the movies and something important is going to happen. Because the movies are just sort of passive set dressing. But the way that it comes across, or one of the things that really helps it come across that movies are so important to him are is, is like um, the stuff that's in color. Because when he goes and sees Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, it is the greatest thing him and his family have ever seen. And that's portrayed by, with it being entirely in color. And then like, he's so, and then when he goes and sees A Christmas Carol, which is actually just a play in this, not even a movie, he's so engrossed by it that, um, you know, that part of the world is in color. His attention and our attention as the audience is fully drawn to that part of the world because um, I don't know. That's what he, that that's what he's paying attention to. So I think it's a really cool way to have movies, especially uh, play a huge role in the film without ever doing, doing anything like he goes to the theater and that's when his dog died. And that's what set everything in motion. You know, it's not a like specific plot point that he goes to a theater it's just like, no, but it's still important that you can still tell how important movies are to him. I think it's a really cool way to do it. Yeah, it really, uh, I guess, captures, I guess, kind of why, I mean, I, I feel like I, I forget sometimes how, as like as a kid, movies, how magical they feel, I guess. And you, you do feel that mm-hmm. through the character's eyes in this movie. Um, which is really cool. I don't think that's like an easy thing to do, I guess. Um, 
which I must say, it's I, cool to have a movie that like. Oh, sorry. I I was just gonna say it, it's cool to have a movie that like depicts the joy of being a kid watching movies, especially like f- for you and me. We've watched hundreds of movies this year, and we're at the point where we talk. We we sit down to record a podcast. It's like, hey, I just watched Eternals. What'd you think? I thought it was good. I hated it. Let's just ramble on about this movie again. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, there's very little movie magic. and it, Well, it's not that there isn't, but, like, you don't get that feeling the same way you did when you were, when, uh, when you were a kid, right? Yeah, it's like every movie is, is magical, at least for a bit, because it's the first time you've ever seen it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, whereas now we kind of have to wait for, I guess, like, the next advance in technology slash uh storytelling to really wow us um yeah but yeah i I don't know it's uh i thought that was cool um how they did that and honestly like the the child actor in this was really good i must say like there was never any moments where i didn't really buy into i mean i guess he wasn't really asked to do much because he was just kind of living life right but I don't want that to detract from the fact that yeah. it was a solid performance. I never, I was never like, it never broke my immersion. Uh, I mean, he, he wasn't asked to do much in big quotes because even a performance where you're just like hanging out, doing regular stuff, not everybody can do that and act natural and like give that performance. Well, I remember, um, I don't remember his name, but the kid in Jojo rabbit did it really well. And like, yeah, he was asked to do more, but you know, not every kid could have pulled that Mm. off in Belfast. Same thing. Jude Hill is fantastic in this movie, but like if it was some other kid, he might not have been right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I lots of props there. Like a lot of the the cast is very subdued um, in terms of like cause there's not many big names. There's actually there's only Judy Dench, I think, right? Is is the only big name? Oh uh, well, Sierra Hines. Oh, see, yeah. So there's <clears throat> Judy Dench. Sierra Hines was in Justice League. Um, Jamie Dornan is huge from Fifty Shades of Grey. Wait, and also he was in uh, Barbara that, Star Go to Vista Del Mar. Was that the dad? Oh yeah. yeah, the dad in this movie is Christian oh, Grey cool. from Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> that's kind of funny. I didn't know that. And then Catriona Balf, who plays his mom, is uh, well, not not the dad's mom, who plays Jude Hill's mom, is she's really big in TV. I don't think she's been in that many movies, but like, she's not a small name either. The biggest name on this list is definitely Judy Dench, yeah. but like, all of the main cast are pretty well known. Oh, okay. I take it back. I didn't know them very well, to be honest. Except for, yeah, Judy Dance. I guess Sierran... What's his name? Sierran Hines. I recognize from Game of Thrones. That's it. Um, oh, yeah. He wasn't Game I can't Thrones. remember who he played, but... Yeah. Um, but anyways, I... Th- Probably one of the lords. That, yeah. Which well, one? I don't know. <laughs> one of the many. Uh, but yeah, no, him and uh, Judy Dench's, like, chemistry was really good. Uh, yeah, they were fantastic. Yeah. They were playing uh, this kid's um, uh, what grandparents. Was they were playing the kid's grandpa, so or grandparents. So yeah, they, it was a really cute, really cute. I, I think like they didn't really get many dramatic moments to play on because you know they're mostly with the kid. I, I think Judy Dench 
had a couple really, I guess, intimate moments, um, mostly by herself, actually, that really hit hard. And I was really impressed with that, um, considering, um, I guess, like, this this wasn't, like, like and, and one of the, none of the performance in this movie were very loud, so I, I feel like it's impressive that she was able to, I guess, garner lots of emotion despite being pretty stripped back from the script, if that makes sense, like relatively. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like that lat the last scene uh, of the movie uh, is actually focused on her, and it's it is kind of heartbreaking actually. Um, but yeah, so uh, performances were solid, uh, but nothing like amazing, I would say. Well, I actually think that again, this is um, this is a really good example of Kenneth Branagh getting exactly the performances he needs. Like, um, I I really liked everyone in this, but as you said, I don't think that it's necessarily anyone's best role ever, except Jude Hill because this is his first role ever, <laughs> and he was really good too. This might actually be his best role ever for a while mm-hmm. if he does if he does get some more roles, um, but like. Jamie Dornan is not playing anything like any of the other characters that I've seen him play, which is good. This movie doesn't need that, but he's playing like exactly it's a subdued character. It's a dad who's not even that who's not even around very much because he works out of the country. Mm. But like um, he play he gives exactly the performance he wa- uh, Kenneth needs from him and the movie needs from him. Jude Hill, like, he doesn't carry the movie, but like he has, he has to, uh, he has a lot of screen. He has the most screen time of anyone. And like, he's actually genuinely enjoyable to see on screen all the time. Um, and then, you know, Judy Dench and Sierra Hines, again, they just have to play nice grandparents and Kenneth Branagh makes them the nicest grandparents. Like he gets exactly what he needs out of everyone. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think like a really loud performance would have obviously derailed this movie a lot, um, just mm-hmm. because it's not that type of movie. So it makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, pretty good all around. Um, I just, I guess, I kind of wish some of the characters had more time to feel more flushed out. I guess in terms of like the plot, mm-hmm. uh, I think the grandparents had enough time. I never really connected with the the parents themselves. I, I don't know if we were supposed to but I didn't really care for them, Um, which kind of affected, because one of the main kind of subplots is, I I don't even really, didn't really understand it, that it's, it's, the dad is working overseas, right? And he's not paying the taxes properly or something like that. And that leads to some conflict. So he's, I think that they're like, I think they're poor. Okay. <laughs> like the the dad is working in England and like um they are not able to make rent all the time. Okay. So that was like the main And there may also be taxes stuff there taxes too. Stuff. I just don't remember exactly what the taxes were. And then was. there was kind of yeah. him defending his family from mm-hmm. being involved in the the Protestant versus Catholic conflict in the neighborhood, I guess. Well, there was, there was like a local gang boss who was like, I'm the local gang boss now. You got to pay me protection or you got to help me on my gang. And he's like, no, actually. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I thought there was, uh, 
Oz. Oh, there was one really, really cool exchange between Jamie Dornan and um, the local gang boss that I thought was really good. Uh, guy goes up to Jamie Dornan and he says, you know what the problem with people like you is? You all think you're better than us. And Jamie Dornan comes back with, uh, with the problem with people like you is that you know that you aren't. Yeah, it's like, that's that a really, really good, that's a really good sentence. It, I like it that. It was really cool, especially like outside. I don't know, just like after dropping his kid off at school and he's just casually like talking down a, a mob boss potentially. I don't know. That was cool. I just, I, I didn't mm. feel like that plot line really led too much of anywhere, if that makes sense. Um, it just kind of resolves, it feels randomly. Um, and it's not really built up that much, in my opinion. I feel like um, with that, oh, what was I, I feel like that's kind of, maybe the biggest problem with this movie is that it's, it is very quiet. It's very much like, I mean, similar to Nomadland, but Nomadland has, has different, um, is a very different movie, but similar to Nomadland, like this movie is just kind of a whole vibe. Mm. And um, the plot is very thin. Like there's not that much going on. It's just sort of like this kid living life and everyone around him also living life. And like characters are interacting, stuff is happening, but it just feels like, um, it feels like there's not really that much going on, which I think is part of the, that's, that's the reason that I find this movie so endearing, but it's also the reason that I don't find it to be much more than that because um, it's hard for me to say like this part of the movie was really good. It was all fine. There's just like nothing. um, I don't know. There's, I feel like it could have used a, maybe a more, maybe like a better through line. I don't even want to say a better plot necessarily. It's just that there kind of isn't any. And I don't know how to feel about that. Yeah, I, I, there's like some. Yeah, it's just it, it's mostly just composed of subplots, I guess. Like you have the gang war stuff, mm-hmm. or like the kid kind of becoming a little bad. Uh, you have like the him and the girl love story, sorta, but that kind of gets forgotten about for like half the movie, and then comes back randomly. Um, and then like the. I guess him, his parents fighting and I actually, wait, he had a brother. I forgot about that. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. I actually, I don't know. I, I, I wish there was I a think- little more focus on maybe some of the themes of maybe family. Um, and, uh, like how, how they got through that time period collectively, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, that I feel like that would have tied in more of the setting more into like the themes, uh, as, as the movie stands right now, it just feels a little scattered in terms of, uh, what it wants to say slash do. But I mean, like also I can't really blame Kenneth Branagh for wanting to, cause in this way it is more reflective of what life would be like. In, in terms of, uh, you know, like life doesn't always have a, like everything interconnected into a relative climax at the end, if that makes sense. Um, 
I think this is kind of similar to the power of the dog in a way. When we were talking, it like they're very different movies, but there's a lot like similar between them. Like when we were talking about the power of the dog, I also felt that that movie didn't have a like rigid plot in so far or as much as there were just like, it was just all of the characters kind of bouncing off each other and the character interactions created the plot. And I feel like that's kind of the same thing here, except that the character reactions never build to like a big climax or anything, or at least I guess they do build to a big climax, but it feels a lot smaller than in the power of the dog. So like it also feels a little less impactful in that way. Yeah. I I guess the only benefit is that this movie is pretty short. Um, which I, I think helps it a lot in comparison to like a movie like The Power of the Dog. Just because it's, you know, mm-hmm. I um, I think we got what we needed in the hour and a half, whereas The Power of the Dog was like a little long. And I think, I, actually this movie was, I think, I think kind of stayed its welcome a little too long at the end. And then it felt like it rushed a couple things. Um, do we want to, can I, can I say a couple spoilers quickly? Yeah, if you've made it this far, we really haven't done too many spoilers up till now, but like, here's the last spoiler warning. Here's yeah. a spoiler warning right here. Three, two, one. Go ahead, Peter. Um, well, I guess like after what it kind of, the climax kind of felt like that scene where the police basically stopped the store from getting looted, right? And it the family comes together. Yeah. And the, the mob boss gets dragged away, right? Um, which was kind of a weird climax. But like, after, after that, the movie goes on for, like, I want to say another 10, 15 minutes, and it isn't really doing much. It just kind of, it feels like it kind of overstays its welcome for a bit. But then the the grandpa dies random randomly, I want to say. Because one of the scenes... Well, it's not entirely random. <clears throat> well, we see him in a hospital. He was in the hospital. Yeah, but we don't see a scene yeah. leading up to that, right? Um... There's like maybe tiny, tiny hints, okay. hints, but they're very yeah. subtle. Like you don't, you don't pick up on them. Um, really. So yeah. So like the seeing the grandpa in bed and then he's dead. Like, like in the next scene we see him, I think it's like five minutes later. Uh, and then there's a funeral and then like it, it all felt very odd happening at that point in the movie, if that makes sense. And it felt like, like, cause honestly I cared most about the relationship between uh this the kid and his grandparents because that was the the strongest connection in the movie right they were basically raising him in some ways Mm. um so to have that kind of tacked on at the end rather than be more part of the core of the movie felt weird to me um and i kind of wish that's what like i said earlier i wish the movie focused more on the themes of family because that's what really hit me more um and also would have provided a better, uh, I don't want to say climax, but just like, I guess emotional, emotional climax, if that makes sense. Uh, because it, mm-hmm. again, yeah, when, when the when grandpa dies, it does feel like Kenneth Branagh like for almost forgot about it. And he's like, oh, I need to write this in at the end. Uh, which is weird considering, you know, this, I'm guessing his own grandfather died this way. Um, but also maybe he didn't want to 
um, I guess over dramatize it because it's personal. And then also because it, it probably felt very like that as a child, if that makes sense, very like out of nowhere. So, yeah. I feel like we've kind of already said this, but I'm not a hundred percent sure if we've like put it this way. Uh, it's really interesting. You bring that up because yeah, the grandpa, um, the grandpa dies, but like, it's, Definitely all the signs leading up to it are things you can just miss. Like, I think that what this movie does really, really, really well, uh, it's like what it does best, better than most other movies I've seen, is it really does, it, it captures like every facet of being a child. Like, Grandpa is dying. Yes, you can pick up on that, but it wasn't really as important at the time, because Grandpa was still alive, to the kid buddy as going to see chitty chitty bang bang with his family. Like he doesn't, yes, he cares that his grandpa is not doing so well, but his grandpa is still around. So he doesn't necessarily know all of the details of his grandpa's lung cancer diagnosis. Mm. Like he's just interested in very different things. And that's like, so all of the, all of the plot lines in this movie that like are building to climaxes are all in the background, which is really weird. But like, I think that, um, I don't know. I mean, it's clearly a deliberate choice, but what that choice does is it makes it, it really enhances the feeling of this movie where it's like, uh, this movie like really puts you in the shoes of the kid and right down to what he notices, what he doesn't notice and what he like does and doesn't pick up on. Like, it's, it's really good at doing that, which I think makes a lot of, as a result of that, a lot of the scenes and a lot of the plot lines feel thin at best and hollow at worst. But that is just part of the style of this movie, I think. Yeah. It's, it's hard to, I guess, criticize because, yeah, I know that's kind of what he was going for. Um. I mean, I think it's worth criticizing because there's there's pros and cons to that approach. The pro is that you get this movie that, like, really feels and, like, can make the audience straight up nostalgic for when they were kids. But then the con is that uh, it makes it very hard to tell a story that's really compelling if the audience isn't drawn in by basically nostalgia. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a solid movie. I, I don't know if, I mean, I didn't love Nomadland and that won the best picture. So we'll see what happens with Belfast. Uh, but it's a cute, it's a cute movie. And, um, I would definitely recommend yeah, it for, for sure. sure. Um, and it's a very enlightening if you are not as experienced in history as maybe one of us is. <laughs> so that's cool too. <laughs> Uh, oh, I want to say quickly. Uh, I, I, I guess cinematography-wise, the I love the. It felt like a very patient movie. Um, I, I liked how a lot of the times they kind of let the camera sit, and it was mostly like the blocking that did most of the work and the actors. Um, I just want to point that out. I really like that. I think that fit the vibe of the movie very well. Mm. So yeah. Anyways, uh, are you willing to slap a number on this? 
So I gave Power of the Dog like a strong seven with the caveat that I probably wouldn't watch it again. Belfast, I'm going to give a pretty weak seven. I'm basically going to give this the opposite rating. A pretty weak seven, but I can definitely see myself watching this again, like maybe with family or like it's it's a really I'm not going to say it's a really easy movie to watch, but this is like a family. This is a movie you can watch with your family. And I think I will do that probably. Yeah, I'd also say this is like a seven for me. Uh, uh, maybe a six point five to a seven. Um, yeah, just very relaxing to watch. Good, good movie to pop on with people. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Cool. Good job, Kenneth Brown. All right. Well, <clears throat> yeah, I gotta say, like, I think Kenneth Branagh nailed it with this movie. I don't think that means this is a five out of five. Like it's not a, it's not a five star perfect movie, but I think that I have a pretty decent idea from this movie, what he was going for. And I don't think he could have done it better. Like, I think this was basically perfect for what it needed to be. And I really commend him for that. This is, if this is not his best work ever, this is definitely one that like, when you know way way down the road 30 years in the future when we look at kenneth branagh's filmography this will be up there in his like big achievements it's for sure a a good bounce up from artemis fowl so at least we can say that yeah (laughs) yeah um yeah i'm I'm interested to see i know his next movie is like the sequel to murder of the orient express right murder on the orient express i think so that would be kind of cool. If that movie ever comes out at this point. Oh, yeah. It was probably slated for like that last one, year, right? It was slated for, I think, I think it was originally supposed to come out like December of 2019, oh, but it wow. got pushed back and it got pushed back into like April of 2020, which uh, was not a good time to push a movie back to. So it's been delayed for like, it's been delayed since then. And there's, since the delays happened, one of the actors in it, one of the main actors in it has become uh, mired in controversy. So it's a very difficult movie to promote. And right now it's kind of looking like it right now. The, the date hasn't changed. It's still like, I think next February, but it's iffy whether or not it'll go to theaters. And realistically, what I expect is that it will go to theaters uh, with basically no fanfare, make almost no money, and then Kenneth Branagh's Agatha Christie Poirot movies are going to end up st- ending there, which sucks because I really like Poirot and I really like Kenneth Branagh as Poirot. And like after the next movie, we may not see that again, which is a real shame. That is, uh, yeah, now I'm, now I'm a little less excited <laughs> for the movie. That's too bad. Um, it made it even yeah. worse and I was like, I couldn't tell. There's like a couple actors that could be controversial right now. So, um, but I think I know what you're talking about. But yeah, anyways. Uh, um, up, well, this is November, which means this is the time that all the Best Picture nominees are coming out. I cannot guarantee that this is going to be a Best Picture nominee. But on the day of recording this, King Richard just came out. And that's a Will Smith movie 
that a lot of people, it's, it's getting a lot of buzz for awards, both for Will Smith and potentially for Best Picture. You want to knock that one out next time? Sounds good to me. Uh, Jeff, what's the last word? All right. Uh, tennis. <laughs>